Yo, welcome to Low Key Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keith, and I'm joined here with Aaron Lanton and Tim Malloy, as always. And um, today we're talking about Disney Pixar's latest film, Soul, um, starring Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. And I thought it was a pretty interesting movie, um, just to give you guys a small little recap for those of you that haven't seen it. And uh, once again, this will be a spoiler alert review slash conversation. The story circles around Joe, who is a middle school band teacher who has dreams and aspirations of being a jazz musician. But right when he gets the chance for his big break, he falls into a manhole and dies. And this is what starts our story through, throughout the rest of the story where he's trying to get back to earth. And so he teams up with the soul named 22 and a whole bunch of Disney Pixar hijinks ensue. So, so anyway, I, I personally liked the film. Um, what did you guys think about it? Well, first off, before y'all go into it, I was just gonna say, it's one of these movies where I've, I've seen certain people's reviews about it. I don't necessarily agree with it and I don't necessarily understand it. So maybe you guys might have a different insight. So Actually, hold on. before we give our insight, uh, say a little more there on, on what you saw from other people and what you kind of didn't, like didn't seem like it was on the same wavelength as what you were thinking. I think so. Sometimes, especially like when it comes to animated films on family made films, I try to look at it for what it is um, as, as far as the story and the morals that it's trying to tell within the story and not so much about the, I guess, I gotta say, the black element of it all in a sense, okay. or like the socioeconomic political element of it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I guess I just couldn't understand why people can't just take, take the movie for what it is and appreciate it for what it is. So, and, so let, let me keep that point. The only thing I'll say there is that I think the reason it's happening is you just got to keep in mind, at least for Pixar, this is the first film where we have a black lead of any kind. Okay. I think that's the reason why. See, I, I think it's just, I think the reason why is just because, I don't know, like, I think black people can't have anything without it being um, torn apart in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it can't not just be a movie, you know, like, it cannot just be a, a story about a character that's going through this particular journey like from one realm to another, it always has to be a focus on the fact that he's a black character and and how he's being represented in that particular way. But I and think it, this movie, with the choices it makes, deliberately does that though. Like it, it's, it, it's actually in some ways by, cause look, Joe isn't just like some you know, do work. like Joe could just simply be a teacher, right? But he's not just a teacher. He's a jazz musician. And you could choose for Joe to have the freshest haircut or, or bald or whatever. He don't need to go to barbershop, but they choose to make him go to the barbershop. When you choose certain locales and you choose certain occupations stuff for your character, that's done with the intent of him being black. And actually there's interviews where the, um, uh, some of the people behind the film, I think Peter Doctor in particular is a Polygon interview he did that actually mentions this, these choices are intentional. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I think they did well with how they executed some of that stuff, but I would say that because of those choices, it, it's kind of hard to separate and it, because that's the intent is for it to be a character that is not just like a dude walking around. Like he mm-hmm. is, um, in some sense, supposed to be like a, a real cultural representation of some particular form of blackness. Like he's not just like a dude who just out doing whatever like these are particular things you're doing so you can see part of a black experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay i can see that i guess that's fair not Is that it, that I, means people need to be jumping on certain aspects of it just because of that but but they are making choices that they mean to have, be representative of a black experience i could see that but it just it still feels like that that experience i mean and i felt it like but i felt like it was just like very small and very subtle you know it's not like, like um, what is like uh, Coco for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like Coco and like um, Hispanic culture is a huge, and and even like mythology is a huge part of the story, right? Like, the story does not exist without that. You know what I'm saying? Soul isn't. Well, know, soul is choosing same. to use jazz as this backdrop, and in particular, there. You know, there's even moments when he's having his flashbacks with his father saying, you know, this is some of the music our people brought to this country. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, you know, definitely Coco way, I, I would say, you know, as you're putting it, is like, like that is the center of everything, like this culture of mythology behind it. That's not exactly the center of, of soul. Soul mm-hmm. is a lot broader as far as what it's interested in discussing, um, as far as like existence and meaning and purpose. But you know, um, as far as what we're supposed to get that makes us empathetic towards Joe, that's actually central to us, you know, having a a tether to him as a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's actually one of the reasons I think, like, I think they handle a lot of the ways that they showcase blackness well, but I think the way they execute having us tethered to Joe and having that grand empathy, I think fails. In what way? Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about like general thoughts first, because I, I, that's something we definitely should jump into. Um, and I guess before we dive into that, Tim, you have not talked much yet. So I'd be curious to see kind of what you thought of, of the film overall. Um, I'm just going to go through kind of my impressions as it went. I loved it at the beginning with the teacher. Um, mm-hmm. Joe reminded me of my band teacher, Curtis Mitchell at Dodson Junior High School, who I fucking loved, who was like an amazing teacher and an amazing musician. Um, and was young, but I could definitely imagine him being like in Joe's situation, like being 45 years old and just, I don't know, just the, the effect that a teacher can have on your life. I guess I just want to say if anyone went to Dotson or knows Curtis Mitchell, uh, great dude and really appreciate everything he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really hooked on that when it went over to the alternate world where souls are created and stuff like that. I was kind of intrigued. Um, I thought the weakest part was his kind of body switch situation with the cat slash soul played by Tina Fey that felt just like a little bit cartoon to me. Um, it resolved okay. I wish it had more jazz in it. I felt like it didn't have that much faith in jazz for a movie that's about a jazz musician. Um, that's a good point, yeah. I think I'm still kind of sorting out my feelings about it because there's a lot I liked about it, but there's a lot of stuff where this movie and a lot of Pixar movies for me just get a little too like we're a cartoon we have to do goofy cartoon things 
And I thought this movie was so smart and interesting in the way it handled like the metaphysical stuff that I wish it had just gone super smart and kind of made a movie for 45 year olds instead of a movie for nine year olds. Yeah, this isn't a kid's movie. I think that's actually something like I didn't really go out of my way to. I'm sorry, go ahead, Keith. No, I was going to say it depends on what you consider to be a kid, though. Like meaning like, sorry. I think it's more for like an older child, like maybe like 10 and up. Because cause sometimes when people say that I'd be thrown off because I think of the shit that I used to watch when I was a kid. Like like Never Ending Story, for example. Right, that's a very true movie. In Never Ending Story is like fucking terrifying. Well, the secret, secret of, uh, of, of, uh, <laughs> secret of, the, of Nim. Nim. Oh, Nim, yeah, that's right. Uh, then you got stuff like Five of Goes West. You got Beetlejuice movies. I mean, oh, fucking, can, um, doll, all dogs go to heaven. Dude, that shit is... Oh, that's a that's a scary ass movie. <laughs> I I think I I, I low key had a nightmare about that damn devil cat the other day because <laughs> I was telling Randall about it and she said I do not remember a devil cat and all dogs go to heaven. Shit, I was like, what fucking movie were you watching? Because that <laughs> thing was all the way up in there. Yeah. And so and so I just I think we forget that we watch some pretty crazy shit. Well, I don't. And and I, I honestly, I found, no, one thing I did find looking at what people were saying, I, it was so many people were like, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're not used to this in animation. I'm like, yes, we are. Yes, we are. People do this all the time. They, they do it, right. you know, um, internationally. They do it domestically. We've done stories like this before. You don't have to necessarily, you know, couch everything in, uh, you know, like a zany way. I didn't necessarily have a huge deal with, or like issue, I should say, with the, the cat and um well the body switch actually not even a body switch like the cat made switching with them you, you know what i'm saying though. yeah um but it's not like overall impressions i had of the movie i mean i definitely like it more than i dislike it um i think what's so crazy is like there's so much it gets right and does so well like i thought the like the moments when that metaphysical around what they call it like the the time before whatever it's called yes. uh, um and even like when he first falls um, you know, and you see it going from like the 3D elements to like 2D, almost like a storyboarding. And then he finally hits that plane of existence where you're going to the afterlife. That was really cool and fantastic. I, I thought it was really interesting seeing everybody else's reaction to going up to the end and him be like, oh, hell, no, I'm, I'm not ready for this. Um, and trying to leave and then falling to, you know, that realm he was in where, you know, souls are being created and, and given kind of like uh, temperaments or whatever they were calling them um Sparks. and then, well no, well you know but they give them personalities before they oh jump yeah they down give them personalities first yeah you're right which is really strange but you know whatever <laughs> um so you know there's all that stuff happening I, you know i was fascinated i, I thought it was it was really cool um it kind of starts falling apart for me a little bit when we meet 22 not because of even that character but it's more like okay so they say because you start realizing like okay yeah the numbers they give them are like based on like the order they were created you know like presumably right so you know 22 is like at least tens of thousands of years old i mean you know they you can have this debate about how long humans have been going and which souls are which blah 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 blah. but like let's just say like there's even greek stuff in her room like whatever that little thing is so she's been alive a long time and they go through this process of like showing you all these great people who she has had his mentors, you know, to get a spark and not getting it. I thought it was really weird. Like sometimes like the movie chooses to do things that 
to me feel a little cruel or crass a little bit. It's like every single one of these people who are like these great people, Abraham Lincoln and um, and uh, God, the one that kind of Mother Teresa, like all these people, Teresa, they all, Muhammad Ali. yeah, they just all like cruel to her. You know, like say they say really ugly stuff to her. And, you know, as far as we could tell, like from the time that Joe was with her, you only spent like a day with them, maybe, if that, to try to get them a spark. And it's like, you know, this is a being who's not a child. This being's actually like thousands of years old, you know, and he's just out there to troll at that point, right? Um, I also thought it was kind of weird that 22 could look down on Earth and see all this stuff and interact with souls and do all this other. It was just, it was kind of like, you know, the, the only reason this was an issue for me is because now I have to buy the change in character that happens later. So basically, Joe needs to be exceptional in some way to give her her spark. Totally fine with that. I'm ready to see where this goes. The problem is, like, my wife and I were talking about this. She was like, well, you know, one of the things that's exceptional about what happened with Joe is she went to Earth. And I'm like, okay, but, like, she could have gone to Earth with a lot of people. You know, like, so it's, it's like it takes away from Joe's significance to some degree in the story. Yeah, but he he also kind of like broke broke the law to go to Earth. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I, but that's the thing. I'm not rooting for Joe. Joe is, is being a jerk right there. He's trying to, whether it, whatever you think of it, Joe is trying to subvert the rules of whatever is going on. Like, he's not really interested in like who God is and all that, which is fine. I don't care about that question in this film. But the thing is, he's not even concerned about breaking any rules to get back to just, you know, go have the best day of his life, which I get the his um, his why he's driven to do that. But that's a really I mean, like, that's cutthroat. I, I see a 45 year old I mean, his first chance at success clinging to life. He's died way too young in a totally ridiculous, unfair way. Mm-hmm. And I see him clinging to life. He's the main character in the movie who I've been, he's like the audience surrogate. I definitely want him to live. And I actually don't care about 22 because 22 yes. has the opportunity in the so, world so, and has let them all go out of just apathy and the sense of entitlement. Right. So like, here's the thing. Do like, This is kind of the issue for me for like for character. Like, do I care about the people I'm with? The issue for me was that early with Joe I was getting to know him. I didn't really know him yet. And by the time I start seeing him with his back to the, to the wall, he's an asshole. And then he's, and then, so then we have to, but it's kind of like 22's movie almost more than his. Cause all the moments were like their character changes happening. She's initiating them. He's witnessing them, you know, like now he he's getting revelations as they're happening while she's in his body. But it feels really weird. Like how some of the stuff happens for me. So I just ended up, so well, and, let me continue to talk about some of the positives. I love New York. I love how they portray New York. It's amazing. Yeah. I love the art style um, that of just of all kinds of things that they put together. Whether no matter where we are, no matter the scene, it's just really well done. Um, the characters like have different gates depending on what's going on. It's just like all oh, this really cool, impressive stuff that they're able to do. Um, and I really did feel like overall the humor worked. But my, my issue with the movie, as far as my enjoyment of it, is I didn't buy the, the, the things that were supposed to take them from being flat to something more developed. It just didn't feel like things were... I, I just didn't really buy the character changes from either one of them. 
And it didn't really feel like it made sense that Joe at the end gets to live, given all the shit he did. Yeah, I thought he was going to hell. It, well, not even, I, well that's just, the, even if you don't go to hell, at least let him die. Like, that's the thing. This it is just felt weird. From the, yeah, from the standpoint of like, because because I feel like if this movie was made back when we were kids, is either Joe goes to the great beyond, he might not go to hell, but he'll at least die. Like, he wouldn't come back. But but, but I, I just don't understand what the purpose of him coming back is. It's like, it's like he I didn't. Think the whole, I he mean, did it to be selfless, but like, it, you know, like you're giving the spark back. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of don't even understand how he got back there. I mean, I know he like he went into the zone, but it's like, so if you go into the zone, you can walk everywhere. Like, I don't, it's just a lot of weird stuff happening. I don't understand the rules of this world in several ways. Yeah, I think the um that flow state or that zone state is like the from my understanding, it was the in-between the um spiritual and the physical realm. Yeah. So if you know how to, you can tap into it like that. Um that I guess moon wind dude who I'm sure was just like high out of this world. But then could um, he also go back through the room of 22 and then do all the other shit too? And where the mentors are before you jump down to earth. I guess so. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't. I guess so. But like, there's so many flimsy. I'm not going to go through like some. But maybe, this maybe I'm but. assuming the reason why Joe was able to do it, and when I was watching it, was because he had just previously died or whatever. Maybe right. Yeah, maybe. Also, I, I still honestly don't even understand if he died or not because it's like he was in a coma, I guess, but he wasn't dead. So I, that's the. I didn't understand why his soul was even there because he wasn't he was dead. And then yeah, and then what made it weird was like he when he gets well when 22 is in his body given what happened in the manhole there are no physical injuries or even like the idea that you're in a coma like it's gonna take you a moment to like come back but also if you think about all this stuff happened in the same day so like he gets the the deal where he can play with the band he falls in the manhole in the the other world like i think in a hundred years could go by in a minute yeah, I think time. But no, 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 skipping that, skipping that. Right. Okay, but think about it. Like, all right, so you got to like go in the manhole. Somebody's got to find out you in there. You got to go to the hospital. You got to get checked in. You got to go into, you go, now you in a coma. And then like people acting like you've been there a while. Like, those are like a caretaker and stuff there, like with a cat or something. So, like, then that happens. Then he gets out. He doesn't have a wallet, doesn't have keys. I don't know how he got in this apartment. I don't know how he's buying food. I don't know none of that. But <laughs> all this stuff happens. And then like his pants tear. It's just like all this stuff that has to happen. Like, listen, even if, like, he saw, he met the band at, like, 8 in the morning and fell down at, like, 8.15, it's hard to do all that stuff in the day. There's this movie coming out called Little Fish, and then in the next issue of Movie Maker, I just I just spent a lot of time editing it, so I have it fresh in my mind. The mm-hmm. director's like, sometimes you just have to do something that plays cinematically, um, because it's just, like, we'll work on film. And do we want to watch 15 minutes of, like, oh, I got to get my keys, I got to go find my wallet. I mean, I might have enjoyed that more than his like interplay with the cat, to be honest. Um, but like the little boring problem solving, it's like we never want to know, you know, where did Indiana Jones get the currency when he landed in that new country suddenly? Like, oh, we- no, not at all. But but the, the easy thing for some like time is just, you know, set it for the next day, two days from then. Like, I mean, yeah. like there are ways to do this. Like, it's not complicated. It, it, it just felt like I was watching Dragon Ball Z and they're like, all right, 30 episodes later. Five minutes supposed to go by. We're three minutes past where we were. We have two minutes left to go, guys. Like, what the fuck? Like, okay. yeah, but then you, but then you watch One Piece where people fall from the sky for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, good though. 
they, they will be falling and having a conversation while falling. No, but like, look, I'll, I'll like I said, I'll let it rock. But it's just like, just, just you know, like help, help me make it make sense. Like, just too many random things that, that just be happening. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, Aaron, you are not going to like pieces of a woman where a baby is born over 24 minutes. Hey, you don't know me. I watch Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> oh no, not Kindergarten Cop. Well, that was a good one too. What was the one with Danny DeVito and uh, Schwarzenegger, and he had the baby? Oh, twins. Oh yeah, twins. There we go. It's been a while. Why they go? Why they do two movies together? I want. Let's come back to that question another time. But um, <laughs> uh, one thing you mentioned about about that interview, um, and I guess it was uh, I have it in front of me. I called it up on my phone. My phone went dead. Sorry. It's Polygon. Polygon. Yeah, it was producer Dana Murray explaining like the origin. Ah, thank you, of, thank you. Yeah, explaining the origin of the movie, and they. I don't know if that's a if Dana is a man or woman, but they said that. Um, Soul began with the great beyond and then evolved into Pixar's film about black life. That's their headline. And it does kind of feel like in some places they kind of like zippered two movies together. Like they had the great beyond movie and then mm-hmm. they're like, let's also tell the story of Joe. And I don't know the parts, the interface of those two parts are the parts that I think didn't really work that well for me. And I think, I think that's what, I think that's what I liked about it. I hmm. like to have like this, this differentiation between these two different worlds or whatever. And it almost did feel like you were watching in a way like two separate movies. Now, one thing it does remind me, I don't know if you guys seen, what's it called? Inside Out? Yeah, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah, it's another Pixar another movie. Pixar uh-huh. film where um, where you had the, the emotions and they have their own like little world and then you have the outside world. And I like the play of these, you know, two worlds and how they work work together because I can't, now, I would say maybe, I don't know what the story would be if it was just about Joe outside of, you know, it, the dying and all of that stuff. I guess you could still tell the same story within this world, but I don't think it works in reverse. I think, like, yeah, I think, I think the problem ended up being how do you make it, and, and this is something they actually mentioned in that Polygon interview, how do you make it where 22's journey is like captivating and and something like where you you feel like she is um and i guess that's her gender you know that's the whole thing like you perceive what you perceive there but um that her journey needs to you know follow a certain arc yeah and it's kind of hard to make that that work if you're only centered in in this one particular area particularly like when it's like all new rules and it's like what other characters are what are their character arcs and what are they going through and what do they desire mm-hmm. you know it's kind of hard to figure out like what would make them help her get a spark and so like i don't know i, I can see how that that does present an issue but i think yeah. joe being present does make a lot of sense i just i just wish i bought their change in 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 disposition later on like i still don't know why she gave him the spark i don't i don't totally understand uh, yeah, th- this is my major problem with the movie is why is 22 worthy of our concern? Like a person who has a chance to be alive and chooses not to be, it's like, okay, uh, you know, suit yourself. Uh, I'm really worried about Joe. Uh, he has a lot going yeah. on. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, if, if you don't make it back, I mean, at least to me, that's the, like, to me, Joe not making it back to, it's like Joe not making it back to not play in a gig is... To me, like, that's not even a huge draw, but like 22 gets to do this for eternity, you know, 
until it, it's figured out. If Joe was like, I need to get back home because, you know, I'm just making up a reason, right? But like, I need, I got a kid at home who needs a da 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 da. If I don't do this, like, this is going to happen to him. Like, there are things that would be more compelling to me that have nothing to do with jazz or whatever else. Like, I mean, like he just, because he doesn't have people who rely on him or like, in the, like other than him being a teacher, which is important. Right. But like, there's not like, if he's out the picture, something else really messed up happens to somebody else. or they're going to be in need in some way. Like, I don't, I just feel like there were better ways to like make him be like, I have to get back other than like, I have to play in the band. Like that, that's what he feels like his passion is when he was born to do. He says this a lot. Yeah. And he uh-huh. learns that there's more to it than that, which is great. And I think that's a good message. For me, but, for me, that's enough to like to feel like you made it and then die. Yeah. I mean, that's enough to me to just to to want a character to get back. You know what I'm saying? Like, does he do some pretty like jacked up stuff to do it? Then yeah, yeah, he does. And it's it's kind of it kind of reminds me of the part. So when he first dies and he's like on this little bridge going to the great beyond mm-hmm. or el- escalator most everybody that's on it they're ready like like he he saw that one yeah woman uh-huh said, yeah i was 83 and like so i know what's going but there on. were a lot of young people there too i mean i guess for one reason or another they had already resigned themselves to, or like i think everybody probably gets there a little differently because everybody else is behind him too like i don't yeah. he got there in an abnormal way yeah, and I think that was that was one of the things. And I was just thinking about like if I was in that same situation, first off, I'd be terrified. Secondly, like Joe being who he was and what he what he wanted out of life, and that 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 made sense. And then also when they show when they went into the museum of his life and he saw it and he felt like he really didn't do anything with his life, like at that moment when he saw it. I, you know, there, there was some, I thought, it's moments like that I feel like we miss opportunities, though. Like, we just saw Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And, you know, like, uh, the, uh, Chadwick's character now is, um, not his character's name isn't coming to me. Uh, is it, eh, well, Levy. whatever his character, Levy. it is Levy? Okay, I was about to say, I was like, hey, is that right? So, we see what it's like for him to have somebody in his face, literally say what they said to Joe, which was, um, you know, we're not looking for this right now, blah, blah, blah. Right or wrong, fair or not, all that, right? Um, but we didn't get to see any moment of him playing. Like, was he playing well? Was he just nervous? Like, did he blow it? You know what I mean? Um, and in some cases, like, it sounded like they just say they just, this wasn't the right moment for him. I mean, this wasn't his first chance at getting a big break. It was his first time he, it seems like he got the break. Um, and, I, and I thought it, it would have been interesting to at least have a moment to show that, like, that's the thing like there's so many things where it's like it's it's kind of oftentimes like you know there's that you know show don't tell yeah but like in some cases like so many things are implied like to me like there's a lot of telling and not showing in this movie is when it comes to joe it does a lot of like very quick flashbacks in the interest of keeping things moving um I don't know if I needed to see whether he was good in all those performances because he's obviously yeah yeah I, I don't need to see all of it but they, they keep telling me he had chances to do stuff but I never see if it was because he screwed it up like he technically did to some degree you know it wasn't him it was twenty two being naked you know just number the gown were there just circumstances that made it where people didn't want to work with him or what was that 
I think yeah. the context of that can be important. I kind of like that because I can remember moments where something really good could have happened to me and I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, I definitely should have called that person back or I should have oh, said yeah. that when I said 100%. Your, or like they were like, hey, I want to do this. And I was like, oh, I can never do that. And OK, great. No. <laughs> um, so I think everybody can relate to that. And it doesn't really matter to me whether he was up to it in that moment. It's more his perception. Hmm. Okay. His sense of loss. I mean, I really did feel his sense of loss and his sense of the thing that's the thing that keeps me invested. In his story is that he really cares. He yeah. really cares. And it, it it doesn't really matter. Even if he was bad, I think the movie would still work. The fact that he's really good. It almost would be more interesting, though, if he was well, shitty at playing know. music. Yeah. Cause it and and I'm I'm with Tim on that in a sense where it does matter more about how it is important to the character, you know, rather he's good or bad. Like kind of like um, some of my favorite movies are movies where people have a a passion in something. I might not could relate to what it is, but I can relate to being that passionate and obsessive about something like um, like like um, what was that movie? Whiplash or oh yeah, um, Black Mm -hmm. Swan. Yeah, you know, where well, people even, literally sacrifice themselves for that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I was even thinking of Boogie Nights, where you see that Dirk Diggler is kind of a terrible actor. Yeah, <laughs> but you're still totally on his side. Right. True. True. I don't. Well, I mean, but what's interesting about both of those movies, though, at least off the top of my head. In movies like that, we're talking about like people who sacrifice to get to something and, and whether it works out for them or not. Most of the time, they're not doing something at the expense of others. Do you think Joe is? No, I'm saying, I'm, no, he is to 22, yeah. Or yeah, attempting to. Alive. <laughs> you know, actually, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like both examples that we use, they were doing it at the expense to others in some type of way or form. Well, in Black Swan, though, like she got a lot of stuff happening to her. Yeah, I mean, like if you, well, you know, we don't need to go through but that she whole movie. She also stabbed a motherfucker. <laughs> well, or, with the intentions I'm, of killing them. And okay, let's not talk about this because we'll give a spoiler to <laughs> a totally unrelated movie. She had gone great. Oh, yeah, like that, yeah, this is a whole other thing, and you know, with Mama and the, and the director and all that. <laughs> and it's like sometimes, like I don't really even feel like I have to necessarily the character doesn't even have to be a good guy like let's take if we were talking about Breaking Bad and Walter become Heisenberg like we we want I mean most people want Walter to win even though we know he's full of shit like he stopped doing it for his family like fucking um three seasons ago (laughs) you know the first time man they found that brick and he had and he had to line her face Nah, I mean, <laughs> it didn't stop being about that a long time before that. Right. I remember the first time he was sliding all the money into the uh, into the the air condition, well, not the air condition, like the vent ventilation system in the house, and I was like, right. "This man in it for the for the thrill." This yeah, been that man, he, he could have been paid for that for the damn cancer uh, payment shit. He turned the Jay Z on the ass, man. <laughs> what, what he was talking about on um, what, what's that? What's that? What's that album? The American Gangster album. Oh yeah. <laughs> Shoot, I mean, you you have a half of them shooting. Most of them talking about uh, selling dope. But, yeah, uh, but he was talking about being addicted to selling dope. I can't think of. Oh, well, that, that's a lore. You're thinking of a lore. That's a black album. A lore. Yeah. 
Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, well, so I'm going to switch. Ain't no pros, no shade, no hoes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you, you'll know more than me. I, I, I don't know about it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's not, I get, I kept saying stuff about likability. I guess, like, I just, I don't know, like, it was, I get why everybody else was connected to Joe. I just didn't, I wasn't there with him. I, I would, I, I wanted to be there, but it's just like, damn, if you take her spark, she can't do nothing. Well, that's where it got, you know, when movies have like five endings and you're just like, oh, come on, is Godzilla dead yet? Like, come on. <laughs> There were a lot of twists at the end. It was that like Clockwork Orange thing where like it kept going in one direction and then another direction. Yeah, I thought it was right. done twice. Yeah, and that kind of happens with Joe where it's like, oh, all right, he gets to come back to life. I guess this is the end of the movie. But then you're like, I'm not super happy with this because he left 22 behind. But if 22 had let him die, I would have been furious at 22. So, uh, you know, it was just kind of... that the, the whole uncertain loyalties thing is kind of where the you know here's how i'd summarize it i don't know if the movie soul has a soul um i don't know if it has like a a really straight line of how i should feel or like a a thing that i should take away from it and i thought the final scene where it's just like i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life but i know i'm gonna live every day is like so pat because joe was living a good life before it wasn't like he was you know scrooge and then this happened to him and he suddenly changed into a good guy. Like he was a pretty good guy to begin with. He was a fucking public. Yeah, that's what, that, that's yeah, but I think that's the, I think that's the thing though. He wasn't content with his life. Yeah. He was a good dude, you know, but, and, and also that was another thing that I didn't, I just started thinking about as we were talking about it mm-hmm. was, could it be that he was pretty fine with his life and content with his life until like certain stuff comes up. It's kind of like one of those things where you're you're cool until you you see something or what they say the grass isn't always green on the other side, yeah. because he was living his life and he was working as the um the band teacher and then when Curly hit him up about the gig, that ignite ignited this fire within him, and that's I, well, when I think he started to feel like had had those thoughts of like this um, not being content with the life that he already has. But I think it's a little of both because I, he definitely showed a spark when that one student on the trombone started yeah. doing stuff and he showed off for the students. And when the principal came to him with that check, you know, saying, hey, you can be full time now. He looks at uh, he walks back in the classroom. He looks at, you know, these legendary musicians and, you know, he's like, damn, like I'm, I'm never going to get a chance to have my shot and, and, you know, become one of the greats. And, um, you know, so I think it's a little of both. Um, it, it just happened to be like that perfect timing in life. And that, that stuff really does happen where you're like, okay, I'm settled on this. I'm good to go. And somebody hit you up with like, hey, man, you ready to do that thing? You're like, oh, wow, really? Now? Now? When yeah, I commit it, something else? Yeah, and then there's also that bullshit statement that people say that, what what is it called? Those who those who can't teach? Yeah. Like, what type of shit is that? I mean. Hello, what, what's the saying? It's something along them lines. Isn't that right? Those who can't teach. Those who can't do teach. Those oh, who I see. I see. Okay. And I think that that's, that type of um, stigma too sits, in, sits on certain people, especially if you compare yourself to, to, the, to the all-time greats and not realize how much of a big impact you make onto the world as being a teacher. So, okay, you know what? Th- th- this is kind of like this bigger thing for the film for me. Like, because I get why so many people did, like, really felt something. And so, a lot of people talk about they cried and it really had them in their feelings. But, like, 
it's weird to see that because it's like I wonder how many people just haven't gone through that journey for themselves yet like I kind of had that moment already a long time ago myself like when I was in New York and, and Tim you witness a lot of this too when you're there oftentimes you meet a lot of people who you know are just grinding and grinding and grinding just trying to get that big break trying to get that big break in all kinds of forms of entertainment tech finance whatever it is and they might not they might never get there you know they're they're doing their particular circuit of whatever their thing is and they're getting into like their mid-30s their early 40s and like damn if i could just get this one thing if i just get this one thing and they haven't pivoted yet and that's not saying that that's any shade to them the thing is there's so few opportunities to get that shine and to get that thing you know um that you got to dig and claw for it and you get lucky somebody you meet the right person and they hook you up with the right gig next person sees you and then they can hire you or maybe you bomb at that moment any number of things or you just the wrong thing happens that day your train is stuck just all kind of stuff the other thing is you go get a day job like you're working at a restaurant exactly Uh uh-huh hey, you know what? You're great. Do you want to get promoted at the restaurant? Like, do you want to go into corporate? And then you're like, shit, this could be an actual career. And you're like, I'm a pretty good, you know, dancer. I'm a pretty good comedian, whatever. But like this money is good. There's just a lot of ways that it you is. can kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, like, oh, go ahead, Keith. No, I was going to say, I feel that because I actually had like a similar situation with my job. You know, it just... <laughs> You know, you you just start working for something to get money, then you start to get promoted, and then more things start to come from it. Mm-hmm. But then I started to like, and it's just, and it's kind of what I got from this movie because it's kind of like my philosophy on things. I don't necessarily think that the thing that you're passionate about should also be the thing that you make money from. It can like, be, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Those things can can totally be separate. And you could possibly make money from it, maybe just a little bit of money, but it might not be your main source of income. And you might not become rich because a lot of people, when they think about their passion, what they want to do, they think about being like, you know, maybe not wealthy, but just well off, you know, and able to like not to think about money. And success in itself is subjective. And like, Mm -hmm. to me, I think the biggest thing in success is, is, or is more so just not failing, honestly. And I think that failure is just not being able to do that thing that you set yourself out to do. Or that thing just wrote the next theme for the next Pixar film. Well, I think there's also like a special kind of pain in being really close to the industry that you want to be in. Yes, there is. You want to be a musician. You're instead of doing gigs, you're teaching kids and some of them are going on and becoming professional musicians like that. That's really hard. But I think but but, it, but but he he's growing those people too, which is really I, mean, I don't know if he looked at it that way, but that that's awesome, I, right? You know, I, for I you to have done that. I would have completely accepted that movie and probably cried at the end if it had been like he discovers that his real spark is teaching and that his real purpose in the world is to help other people um to chase their dreams. It was like, so close to doing that. I would have definitely even if it's a little corny, I definitely would have gone all in because I believe that's true. Like I believe that teachers are, you know, in many ways more valuable than great musicians who are in it for themselves. And it would be really cool even if his students from from different generations, the one with the trombone, the one playing in the band, even just kind of cross paths like, damn, isn't he great? He taught me how to do this and do that, blah, blah, blah. Again, like- Even again, if it was at his funeral, I would have I would have gone for that. Like, damn, that would have been dope. That actually would have been a really good scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that would have been cool. They didn't take that route. I mean, I, I think it's, 
I think it's fine how it ended. I just, you know, uh, it, it's a really relatable story. It's a really relatable tale and message. And definitely, like, as you two have talked about, I, mean, I think we all can relate to that. I mean, I definitely pivoted from trying to make a career in different parts of entertainment to saying, okay, I can actually do corporate stuff and do some of that on the side. And if I choose to like really hone in on that, like maybe I can make something happen. But in the meantime, I really would like to start a family, you know, and it has some insurance and some other stuff. Like I can't keep doing ad hoc work, you know, and live in New York. It just didn't, you know, you could, but it's, it's, it's a lot of pain to do that. Yeah. It also depends on your priorities and, and it just go back into success. You know, what is success to the individual, you know? I I wrote a novel in 2008. It got published at the exact same time. I got the most corporate job I've ever had and thought it was going to be like, I'll be totally disconnected from, I'll have no passion for this. So it'll be really easy to just go there, get paid and go home. And it ended up like eating my life. I mean, it's, it happens. Yeah, it does happen. Just like yeah. the same way as I know people who want to be filmmakers and they wind up shooting commercials their whole life. You know, I mean, but they, they making decent money. Yeah, they might be making decent money, but the thing is, I don't think no one goes to Hollywood to shoot commercials. Oh, of course not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to make the best. Uh, I'm going to make the the new generations. Uh, is it the shoes? Right. And I, I think, the, I think, uh, no, I'm sorry. What were you going to say, Tim? I was going to say the guy who directed his house um, that we talked about in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's an example of somebody who, you know, takes the lessons and, you know, gets the money from making commercials and then goes out and still pursues his dream. So God bless him. And I think, I think part of that is, is remembering your passion, right? So mm -hmm. if you're, because if it's, if it's all about the money, then you just going to do what you going to do to make the money, you know, mm -hmm. and you, cause you're operating out of that place of scarcity. And I think like to go back to the film and uh, with Joe, because I thought it was interesting that once he did show up to that gig and he just like, you know, just just did a fantastic job or whatever, and he he didn't feel anything after. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna be like this great thing, and like what I got from it is that it was always there. Like he was already living out his life's purpose, and him performing in front of that crowd was no different than what he does every day, really. Yeah, you know. So so mm -hmm. what that did was pivoted and brought him back to realize what it was that connected him to the music in the first place. And that would that's more important to him than the actual fame itself. Yeah, and I wonder, based on how it's portrayed, like if it's just simply being able to create, because you know, the way that band works, they're very much like an improv being like, I mean, like they have a, you know, like a, all right, here's a baseline of what we'll play. You know, so they, they're like, all right, we're going to do this song. But they let you kind of freeform and then match the musicians and then, you know, kind of go for it. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like the crowd, you know, exhilarates him the same way. You know, he was he was proud to have done it in front of his family and, and all that. But it didn't, you know, it didn't move him the way he thought it would. I forgot what that interesting metaphor that uh, was given to him at the end there. It's something uh, about the, the lake and the, and the ocean. The water in the ocean, yeah, water, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he that that wasn't actually what moved him, and you know what one of the uh, the Jerry said to him was just simply that you know, 
humans, you know, or at least like the way to conceptualize it is so focused on like, you know, you're born to do this and passions and this and that. And like, it's, it's not, that's what's supposed to be your spark. Like that's not set in stone. Like you don't have to live your life just only trying to find a purpose. And then that, that just be that. I mean, I think that's really important. And I think in 20, uh, well, I want to say 2020, we're past it now, but you know, in, in this moment, this era, COVID and all this other Am stuff. I right? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, but in this era, we need, I think in a lot of cases for people that had it reset and an opportunity to kind of have a new perspective and framing for how they see stuff. And I think this movie actually does a really great job of doing that. And also I, one thing that was really cool about it was I did think uh, it was interesting that my three-year-old son was like kind of getting some stuff from it, sort of understanding what was happening with the afterlife getting a sense of like what excites him what does he want to do like what 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 because he actually just got like a, a piano a little toy piano um and some oh. other and like paints and some other stuff um and he just he's asking you know it's a lot of questions he's really curious anyway as a kid but um you know he was asking questions during the movie that i don't think he would have asked otherwise and it was just really interesting so i mean i, I think they really did find a way to make it where kids could could get it you know I just brought over the baby piano that I got from my uh, very small child that you never know. I do. Oh, it's colorful. It's a beautiful piano. Uh, <laughs> in the piano market, it's baby Einstein. It was very inexpensive. Mine looks like, uh, well, mine, well, my kids look like some from my friend Totoro. And it's just like, up oh, the, the teeth are like piano keys and like you does like a record function and all these other songs. Like, it's really weird. So like, literally, he's sending like a producer, like playing like 10 snip or 10 seconds, like a little snippet of music. And then he'll uh, press record and he'd be like, nah, nah, not that one. He'll just change it a little bit. I'm like, that's fucking weird. But yeah, I mean, you know, he's, it might not be what he decides to do later, you know, but I mean, he, he thought it was really cool watching Joe play piano. So now he's sitting there just messing around with it. That's cool. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie. I think, ooh, this would be a good chance for me to bring up the thing I mentioned earlier that we didn't get to uh, as of yet with the whole thing with like how it doesn't in some ways uh, work for me, like from a character perspective, as far as like the black experience stuff. So well, early, it totally does. Like it, it matches all kinds of stuff. It's like when, when 22 is in Joe's body, that's a little weird. Where like there's a couple of things that happen in like super strange. Like the first one, be, well, actually this, I'm saying them out of order at this point, but uh, what is the name of the Terry, the, the, the guy who with Abacus is counting everything and souls off and he goes down to earth and he's mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. So why the hell did he torture that poor kid like that? I'm really sorry about the piano. Um, I'm trying to turn it off. Uh, I, man, you, you can jam. It's all right. <laughs> Do some instrumentals for the show. Um, but, but why did he, the, the kid who was making fun of Joe saying Joe's a little crazy or he's like, you know, ain't really amounted to nothing in the barbershop. He walks out and then remember like uh, 22 asked Joe was talking to him in like a, a bodega real quick. And then as the kid cuts the corner, Terry drops him into the abyss, takes his soul out and goes, oh, that's not you. And then puts him back. When he gets racially profiled. <laughs> That is what happened, right? Is that the joke? Hey, you tell me. Oh, 
oh, I'm sorry, wrong black eye. Yeah, yeah, and it was the was it are they all Australian? Like I don't know what that's about. I, know, I love his voice, but whatever. <laughs> um, that's the, so like they're kind of incompetent. Like everybody up there is still using a damn library filing system, basically, which I don't <laughs> understand why. Why is he counting the abacus? I, whatever. This doesn't really bother me that much for real, but it's just like yeah, it's pure comedy. Yeah, I mean it's just stupid, but uh. You know, the thing that's so goofy about that, though, is like, that's like, you don't have to do that scene. Like, I don't even know what it does. It's just mean. It's a mean scene. Like, the dude's crazy as shit now. And it doesn't right. serve the story in any way. I just was like, all right, that's weird. Um, funny. It, yeah, yeah kind of. It was just weird. Uh, for me, it was just weird. Um, well, I also, you know. Because that's more terrifying than what happened to, to Joe at the beginning. Yeah, I okay so sometimes i see stuff like that and i was thinking like just from a writing perspective outside of it being funny it could also just show what terry can do because up to that point you don't know how he can be able to you know catch them and then you just see like oh so he can be a real threat you know if he catches up with them so that's fair that's fair i wish they could man in black people after that but that's fair I yeah. like your point there. That, that that seemed like that should have been a thing, but no, nah, he he gonna live with that for the rest of his life. That is so messed up. I just I just don't love how they did that. <laughs> but you no, know, it's 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 crazy because it makes me um, think about. Um, have y'all heard of that app called Clubhouse? No, no. So no, it's a it's uh, apparently it's a social media. App. Oh no, I have heard of it because people randomly bring it up and some celebrity says something stupid and then they keep playing snippets of it. We're not supposed to record anything from it. Right. So it's a it's it's only for for Apple and like people have like these private rooms and that you, you know, create or whatever. And so my cousin is obsessed with it and he's like in a conspiracy theory group thing because he likes that type shit. So anyway, it, it made me think about like there's people in the group that he was telling me about that had experiences that's kind of similar to the Terry incident. You're talking about like where they leave their bodies and it's like leave your body stuff. It's like seeing like faces appear from other dimensions oh that used to be an art um what's that guy's name who had the am radio show they told the story of like somebody just appearing for a second from another dimension that stuff freaks right. out of me i love it yeah like people like this this girl, <laughs> this girl said she saw it and then when she was a kid and her father saw it at the same time and then there was another guy in the chat that was like explaining why it happened and he actually died and came back to life. Like he died for a few seconds and came back. Who did? This uh, this other guy that was in the chat. So it's just a bunch of people just, you know, just telling their experience. And that's just, I don't know, Clubhouse is weird. Like my, my girlfriend's in the clubhouse where it's just actors. And they hmm. just talk about acting shit. So but anyway. Club, that, clubhouse that, just feels dangerous to me, man. I, I it's just, Cause the thing you're just supposed to function. assume no one's recording. Um, and you know, someone's but now, I mean, from, from the people that I know that be on, I mean, outside of my the, the, the stuff my cousin was talking about, it sounds like it's pretty good for some people, you know, to network. He, I'm just like saying, you need to act like you the president this weekend. I can't get on, I don't have an iPhone, so no, well, anyway, I digress. <laughs> no, no, that's that's well, I, look, that, that was a good tangent, actually. Um, well, this, oh yeah so the other so right before that moment <laughs> we're in the barbershop um you know you would kind of be surprised how often that kind of 
there's always that person who comes in the barbershop and like the entire barbershop focuses on their conversation. I have so many black barbershop questions and I don't want to like put anybody on the spot. I don't want, want to do the like, can you speak for all black people thing? But just I have, rapid fire, whatever. Just, just go, just go. In every movie, there's been like five movies of the barbershop where there was like one guy who just always talks shit about you. And like, you've always got to like be on your game when you go in the barbershop. Is going to the barbershop like, all right, I've got to prepare because everybody's going to like take the shit out of me. Like, I wouldn't It can't go. be that way. I wouldn't go to a place like that. It's like, all right, as soon as I got in, people are going to say how fat I am. That that is that is the the culture of the barbershop. Um, there's a dude who who uh, God, he used to get on me about something. I forgot what it was now. So first, like, because um, I I still like go to downtown Nashville oftentimes to get my hair cut, and he used to like joke with me about like, oh, so you always coming to here like with your work clothes on? I'm like, all right, but it was like the way he would do it, you know, like all right, like what? So because he was basically trying to call me a square. So we go back and forth, and then maybe some other thing the next day, and some other day, another thing the next time. It's just all, normally at least one person who just playing the dozens back and forth with you. But uh, but it's like I feel like you gotta do that though. I don't know. I feel like I became I, in reverse more confident from being <laughs> checked and checking other people. Yes, especially exactly. like if you and, and then, just so to be clear, checking is joking back and forth, you know, with somebody about the individual like that person they because, coming at you you coming at them because in memphis we be flaming folks ass up like All i was time. trying to explain it to my to my girl like if i say something to her or like her, her kinfolk they really be offended you know what i'm saying <laughs> and i'm like man i'm just i'm just fucking with you like that but that i grew up you know me and my cousins we just we just do it you know what i'm saying and it's fun to me but then I think now that I got old, I realized that's why I'm not offended by much that a person says to me, you know? Yeah, man, they, they just like, getting your, your, your skin tough for the outside yeah, and, world. And, and especially if you if you talking, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you not being direct, what's the word? Um, uh, if you indirectly throwing shit at me, but you're not oh, yeah. like actually checking me, you know what I mean? Then mm. it's not, it don't, it don't even do nothing, you know? So next rapid fire question for, for you know, yeah, because I, I could talk about that all day. That was my thing. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll get back to the movie stuff specific in a minute. But, okay, so that's the first question. Do people always check? What's the second question? What other barbershop questions? That's the main one, if that's real, because... Yeah, that yeah, happens a lot, yeah. Go. All right. How often do people even go to the barbershop? Because I go to the barbershop, like, once every seven or eight weeks yeah yeah see that's yeah, okay so black hair hairlines all that i mean if you go beyond two weeks you probably look ragged i used to go once a week when i yeah had once a, once a week's pretty pretty normal if you go past 10 days like you know girls might start talking about your hairline so. Aaron, Aaron, you probably the only black man i ever known in my life that did not go get his hair cut all the time yeah i, I didn't used think, i used to think that shit was remarkable Aaron was getting <laughs> Like he would literally like get his hair cut low and then don't get it cut for like months and just like grow a fro and then just keep getting. I said that that man saving money though. Shit, I was saving money. I I didn't really. I was saving money. I also didn't really care that much about what people had to say. Like yeah, that. see me, so. I was I was always you know especially at that age like in in college and all that like very concerned about my appearance. So I used to I always get my hair cut and try to keep up with stuff like that, but. I just had other ways I did it. 
you know, as far as opinions. But you know, I didn't know just like what Tim said about I didn't I honestly didn't know that white guys went that long without cutting their hair. I didn't until I saw a little white guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I like, know. like I had a teacher that said that one time. I don't know. It, it was my science fiction literature teacher. I don't know how he got on the subject, but he mentioned something about haircuts, and he said he he had a haircut like three months ago. I'm like the fuck? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I, the, the dude, I, I my first roommate in college, he was like, "Yeah, I ain't got a haircut in like five months." I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Shit? Like, okay. Uh, I was like, oh, you just don't. Okay, your hair grows different, of course. I mean, it makes sense, but it's just like, huh? Yeah, you save a lot more money than I do. Damn. Another thing about barber shops, if you're wondering, Tim, if you got a barber, you need to stick with your barber. He oh yes, super offended, and like, yeah, it's like a whole though. relationship. Yeah, they they know your head. You need yeah, to go yeah. to them. That end, if you go to somebody else's seat, they gonna feel some type of way. I have a fear of. Uh, intimacy basically so I <laughs> try to not have conversations with Barbara and like stay at arm's length as long as possible because like once they know me and I have to, like I have to keep up the conversation you know I have to like have things to say and I am boring so I will always try to like space it out as long as I can and like go to another barber and then I found like occasional barbers I like but like the last guy I went to I don't know if I'm ever gonna go back I try to just go incognito every single time well, but that's the thing that's funny though. Like, you know, it's, it, it really, because you're going so frequently, you know, I mean, like, you know, especially like before you can drive and stuff, like they know your mama and, you know, they get, you know, getting this one every time or like, you know, they point to the, to, you know, a little post. All right, I want, I want eight, you know, whatever, you know, or whatever's up on the, on the board there. I mean, there's a lot of ways that it's a very important relationship and it's, I, I never like I don't even feel like Barbershop the movie uh, really truly gets like can can conceptualize the people who aren't in that culture what it's like because Barbershop's really focused on like you know oh well you know it's like all this other outside stuff going on and when they're in the barbershops about joking almost like it's a extended scene from coming to America yeah. but I still feel like in some ways it doesn't capture exactly what that's like because it's not a to me it shouldn't really be about the barbers when you're doing it's more about the people who come in and like what that culture inside of it's like is it when you make it about the barber sometimes it's a little different to me that's true faux pas for a white person to go to a black barber shop not necessarily um the thing is everybody gotta go to barber school um yeah. they should know how to cut your hair they probably haven't done it in a while Faux pas, no, but understand you better be real specific about what you want your line to look like because you're going to mess around and have a line you ain't expecting. It's going to be sharp, but it's not going to be a white guy haircut. <laughs> so, you know, people are like, oh, shit, I mean, Tim, you look very different. Where'd you get that haircut? And yeah. when they say, where'd you get that haircut? They're asking what it sounds like they're asking. Really? Yeah, I've seen it happen to people. It's like, that's, hmm. I mean, you could just ask, did you go to a black barber? But it's almost like that's kind of, I don't know, kind of weird somehow. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be I, it'd be some uh, Mexicans out here that can cut black hair at all. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, what shit? Yeah, they, they know they demo. Head. What are you at? Yeah. Like, yeah, too. out here. Man. And also, look, why would you not want to cut black hair if you know they got to come that often? They going to come. That, like, we're going to spend some money. On, on getting some haircuts, just like our women, they gonna they gonna spend some money. Our on black people spending hella money on hair. Man, they ooh, they spending thousands. 
Seriously. <laughs> on her products, all of that. Shit. Man, black women. Ooh, they they spend some money on some hair. Black dudes too, but it I mean it it multiplies. We talking about oh, black yeah. women keeping our hair up. Yeah, definitely. So oh, any other questions? Look, we we uh we've been doing I, black barbershop questions for a minute. Any more? Points to soul, because I thought I thought like they were kind of throwing this in like out of nowhere. Like they just like I feel like there's a very few I feel like there's things that come up in like a lot of Hollywood movies where they're like, you know, this is like a quote unquote black movie. We have to have a barbershop scene. And I was like, is that because, whoa, was that the dog? <laughs> that was not my baby Einstein keyboard. I don't know. Oh, Poor <laughs> chance. I, I, look, I hardly hold him. I don't know why I felt like holding him. And he just was like, oh, hell no, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I forget that you were an old man and not a puppy. <laughs> but yes it, it probably should be I, I think it's a solid go-to you just want to execute it well when you do it and i do think overall they executed it well the thing that was weird was 22 is the one doing it and so it's not it's not joe it's 22 now part of the thing is supposed to be be that he's saying to her hey when you go in don't talk get your hair cut get the hell out of there yeah but she goes in and she's all introspective and it's like, and everybody's like, wow, that's so cool and interesting. This Joe's like, this is like a side of him we've never seen. But it's like, no, you're talking to a being who's like tens of thousands of years old. <laughs> like, I don't, is, is there something really weird about listening to that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I also think that it just, it's just kind of like just what me and you were just sitting here talking about the barbershop and reminiscing on it. I think it's one of those things too that shows like, I guess like the things that that um Joe is overlooking in his life mm-hmm. that actually you know can can give like some type of joy and about life itself like those little simple things like like going to the barbershop and or talking, talking to, to somebody about something other than your passion your music cuz right. they, they yeah. want you to ask about them too yeah cuz cuz he didn't know anything about his barber because that's all they would talk about is his Well he and he like I said you never asked me about myself right all right. See, my strategy is I always ask the barber about themselves, and it's always a huge mistake. Yeah. No, that's not true. It's not always a huge mistake. <laughs> really cool. But the best barber I ever had turned out to be this like real big NRA guy who like believed that's that Sandy Hook was fake and uh just some stuff that it was uncomfortable to be in the chair. Oh man, trust me. Like, so that's something the black barber shop, but you gonna find out what, what the streets thinking. I always find out what the streets thinking. Not Twitter, not not you know some message board. Not you know you go to the barbershop, you'll figure out what people thinking. Like I can tell you how many times I went to the barbershop and people were like I'm glad Trump in. You get to really see what <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> like all right, well, sure. Because this was a, I think Killer Mike had done something that day or like oh, yeah, Killer Mike. Killer Mike said this too. Yeah, Killer Mike's song was on or something, but somehow Killer Mike came up and that led into this whole rabbit hole about guns and about um. And I was like, yeah, Second Amendment, sure, you know, good for you. That's cool. Like you like going to the shooting range, great. But then it turned into like um, <laughs> it turned into like Sandy Hook was fake and oh no, flags and stuff. And I was like, no, I was like, I might get a really bad haircut out of this, but like, no, that was definitely real. Like that, yeah. Man, there was definitely a conspiracy theory that came out. This was like way before the COVID stuff, but people were talking about like certain medicines and stuff, blah, blah, blah. I was like, guys, stop. stop. Yeah. I'm like, hey, look, 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 look. Hey, I'm not here to like tell everybody what to think, but the facts are this. Like, 
But then one time, and I, I'll never forget it because I was so shocked. Uh, we were talking about, God, what was it? Oh, I can't remember. But it was like some shot of some kind. And the guy was like, yeah, did you know that like fetuses are using this? And I was like, what? No. Because I, I guess it's something for like stems. I don't even think it's stem cell research. It was something really weird. And like when I looked, I was like, oh, damn. Wow. That is true, right? It's true. Whatever it was, we looked it up together. And I was like, no, nah, I got to look at some other sources. Like, oh, God, this isn't all of this. Wow. Hmm. He's like, yeah, see, they put that in our bodies. I was like, I got to drive silently now and just think about this. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Like, I thought you were full of shit. And now I have to just ride with my thoughts. <laughs> so, <laughs> just want a haircut. Because that's the thing, like, in, in 22 is in the chair, like, saying all this crazy about metaphysical, this and that and the other. And I was like, damn, that's fascinating. And that happened. Sometimes you get conspiracy stuff. Sometimes you get sports talk, you know. Um, sometimes you get deep philosophy. Sometimes you get, you know, somebody who claimed to have been a Panther back in the day and what the Martin Luther King and everybody else got wrong. Hey, yeah. Have I ever told y'all that story about how I was on the date with this girl and she was talking about how we in, like, a globe? Go on. Go on. How the Earth is essentially like in this like gigantic <laughs> globe. Okay. Like pretty much that man has never went to the moon, never flown out of the atmosphere, because there's nothing outside of Earth's atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Because if you try, you'll be you'll you'll blow up. Like there's like this firming. There's like this barrier. So it's like a, we're we're in like a gigantic version of Stephen King's uh, dome. Exactly. Or um, the little marbles on men in black, I guess. See, I can't say she's wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about like crackpot theories. It, like, uh, I forgot what it's called. There's like the spaghetti monster theory. I forgot who, I think it was uh, Bertrand Russell, who was like, basically, if I told you it was spaghetti monster next to Jupiter, uh, and I was really adamant about it, and then you said, well, you're wrong. You're like, well, prove me wrong. It's like, well, I can't because it doesn't exist. And it's like, all right, well, I'm right then. It's well, just like when you told that girl that it's a teacup going around Jupiter. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, something like that. You told that. Damn man, girl. I, I thought I thought it was a damn. I thought man, look, maybe I'm saying the wrong thing. Look, one of these things is right. Spaghetti monster. Spaghetti monster. I think is right, or maybe it's a teacup. Look, yes, it's it's that idea though. It's been a while since I've done a philosophy class. It was like two hundred one or something. Right, it's been a minute. Well, a thing I think about a lot, and this doesn't sound great, but there's people who are like, I believe that the world was created in seven days because it's in the Bible. And I'm like, well, it's actually evolution. Da, 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 da. And they're like, all right, explain evolution. And I'm like, yeah, I actually can't. Uh, I, I just believe it because I believe scientists, but I, there's nothing that makes that more. There are, there are scientists who could prove this and, and walk me through why global warming is true and things like that. But I don't personally have the ability to explain it. Well, I mean, it's an allegory and the num like days might not even oh, mean absolutely. how we perceive days. I mean, like, whatever, you can get into all this whole thing about it. Like the speed of it doesn't, if you believe, you know, the guy created everything, I don't see how the speed of it bothers you either way. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So it's like, eh, eh, let's just rock it, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it happened, right? Uh, although, again, as you said, like, you know, scientists can show certain things happen through evolution and, you know, clearly we can just pop out of nowhere. Dude, the last time I was in your state, um, visiting oh, Tennessee, boy. the time we came out and saw you guys, when we were driving to Dollywood, 
the first night there was a whole show between um between nashville and dollywood where they were like disproving dinosaur bones and it was like mm -hmm. it was like a scientific i mean it was like way outside of nashville but it was like a scientific bible-based show to disprove evolution it was like you probably near i mean if you're in pigeon forge you're near knoxville you're like between knoxville and chattanooga you like how i made it like it was your fault or it was like your state I mean, I'm, hey, I'm here. I mean, look, art. No, but it was, it was cool that it was like, we're going to do like the scientific version of the Bible, like as opposed to just like, I don't know, it was an interesting, it was an interesting take on it. It was that they took the scientific frame to make a biblical argument. And I listened to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing is, as long as you're not being a jerk to people, as yeah. long as you're counting their votes, who gives a fuck? That's another the, thing. <laughs> I keep wanting to just tell someone and uh, we're talking all the stuff that people think liberals care about. I don't care about at all. Like <laughs> when it's like, they're coming to take our guns. No, I'm not. I have absolutely no interest in your guns. You're taking all the guns. Like don't give it a moment's thought. Haven't ever once in my life thought like, how are we going to take away somebody's guns? It'll come up. It'll, you'll find a way. <laughs> you'll find <laughs> Well, it wasn't that long ago uh, that Hillary Clinton thought, you know, they were going to take all our, our violent video games away. Oh, my God. I was alive for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we've gotten so far away from Seoul. But here's the thing. If you made it this far, we appreciate it. We would like for you to rate and review the podcast, share it with a friend, and also make sure to follow us on the social media channels that Keith is going to tell you about. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at the Low Key Pod. And look for us next Thursday again with another joint of some sort. We don't know what we're going to do next, but this was an interesting movie. And it's it's fun that we didn't agree completely on this film. That doesn't happen a lot. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot of cool stuff in it. And, you know, definitely give it a watch. It's worth watching, certainly. I mean, we just talked about it for as long as the movie is. It must have, it has something to it. It has a spark. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> hey, we'll holler at y'all in the next one. And uh, we appreciate y'all being here with us. Oh, wait up, Keith. You didn't have to do a fake drum roll. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Peace, y'all. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>